Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Alexander Peterson. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I will start by giving you an overview of what has happened in the markets. The big news this morning is China's Communist Party Congress, in which President Xi Jinping signaled no change in direction for the two main risk factors dragging down the Chinese economy. Strict COVID rules and housing market policies providing little lift to a worsening growth outlook. In addition to this, the People's Bank of China is going to inject the equivalent of 70 billion US dollars via its one-year medium-term lending facility on Monday, matching the amount maturing this month. Turning to the UK, Liz Truss is battling to rescue her premiership this week when financial markets will deliver a fresh verdict on her economic reset. Truss will open a reception for the cabinet at Downing Street on Monday evening to get their input into a medium-term fiscal plan. The pound rose in early Asian trading on Monday as investors speculated that more of Truss's package of unfunded tax cuts might be reversed. The FTSE 100 futures slid as much as 0.6% at opening. On Friday, the S&P 500 fell 2.4% in regular trading, led by healthcare, utilities and financials. The Nasdaq 100 was also down by 3.1% and the 10-year U.S. Treasury ended Friday at 3.99%. Briefly turning to commodities. West Texas intermediate crude is up 0.6%, trading well above $85 a barrel and gold is trading at around $1,650 an ounce. In currencies, the euro rose trading at 97 cents to the dollar, so firmly below parity. The Bloomberg dollar spot index fell by 0.2%, and in the digital asset world, Bitcoin is trading just over $19,200 this Monday morning. With that said, what can we expect for the week ahead? On Tuesday, the US will release data on industrial production, and on Wednesday, the Fed Beige Book, a summary on the current economic conditions in all of the 12 districts. China will release its Q3 GDP figures, retail sales, and industrial production numbers on Tuesday. The UK will release its inflation data on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we will get a final inflation reading for the Eurozone. Earnings season is beginning to take on full swing, with announcements this week by Bank of America, China Telecom, Unilever, Goldman Sachs, Johnson Johnson, Netflix, Tesla, and United Airlines. That's it from you. I'll now hand over to Mansur Pochinci, Head of Technical Analysis. Yes, good morning. This is Mansur Pochinci from the Technical Analysis Department. Looking at the financial markets uh, through charts, uh, what can we see? Basically, when we look at U.S. equities, we see that there was a new 52-week low last week, so the market remains here in a downtrend. Nevertheless, we are seeing here some signs of stabilization. Uh, why is this the case? Uh, when we look here at breath data in the S&P 500, we are seeing that basically on the on last week when the S&P dropped to new 52-week lows, uh, the percentage of stocks which are trading below their 200-day moving average did not drop to a new low. So this indicates that the average stock basically did not move to a new 52-week low last week. So it indicates some uh, some minor stabilization of the average stock. Nevertheless, uh, what is uh, required here for a sustainable uh, recovery or uh, improvement, uh, most likely a rise uh, above 3,800, 3,900 resistance area in the S&P 500. 
So as long as we don't see this, uh, basically it is too early here to call for a reversal. When we look further towards uh, the sectors, uh, we are seeing here an improvement of the energy or oil and gas sector. Uh, this is quite interesting as uh, crude oil, as you have heard before, uh, still remains well below its peak in March. Nevertheless, uh, energy and oil and gas stocks on a relative basis are breaking out. So that's why we have upgraded the sector back to overweight and uh, recommend here a preference towards the sector. The relative outperformance of the sector is confirmed not only in the equity market, but as well in the fixed income market, where we see that U.S. high-yield bonds are uh, outperforming U.S. Treasury bonds uh, for the year. So this indicates uh, some demand for the this sector for, from equity and fixed income investors. Uh, staying with fixed income, uh, interest rates uh, still remain in an uptrend. So when we look here at U.S. interest rates, uh, especially the 10-year uh, uh, year yield, uh, most importantly here, the level to watch is around 4%. So here it will be important over the next uh, few weeks to see if this is another area of consolidation or if we can mark here a uh, medium-term peak. A medium-term peak would be only confirmed if U.S. Treasury yields could manage to drop below 3.50%. That's all from our side. Back to you. Thank you very much, Mansoor. Next up, we have Ronnie Kaufmann from CIO Strategy and Investment Analysis with an IC meeting update. Over to you, Ronnie. Thank you, Alex, and good morning, everyone. So to begin with, the IC thinks that the broad market is making good progress in the bottoming process as we speak. As a result, last week we have lifted half of our equity hatches, which have been put in place in mid-August this year. For the record, at that time, the IC was of the opinion that equity markets would eventually revisit their June lows, which is in fact exactly what happened. The good news is, however, that this is indeed what the market needs to do to build a base that is solid enough for a sustainable recovery. One of the defining features of 2022 continues to be the rapid and violent rise in the cost of capital. The US federal funds rate has risen from 0.25% to 3.25% in only seven months and is expected to rise to 4.25% by early 2023. This has resulted in a general devaluation of financial assets the magnitude of which has been dictated by their respective duration profiles. As the movement has affected bonds and equities simultaneously, virtually no financial asset has been spared, apart from the US dollar, some precious metals and oil. So quickly to put things into perspective, since 1990, the worst drawdowns of the Bloomberg Global Act Index, so the broad benchmark for a global investment grade debt, had reached minus 10% at most. However, as of the end of September 2022, the drawdown of the index stood at minus 25% and counting. Since 1926, there have been only two other years in which US equities and bonds simultaneously delivered significant negative returns as they do this year. On a positive note, we think that the multiple contraction-driven derating in equity markets is largely complete by now. More generally, the new interest rate paradigm is largely priced by financial assets. Indeed, financial assets across all asset classes are again offering attractive forward-looking returns. 
Accordingly, de-risking here for the sake of sleeping slightly better in the short term is far riskier than it was at the beginning of this year when the S&P 500 was still trading at slightly above 4,800 points. As savvy investors might already know, it is important that missing just a few of the best days in financial markets can severely impair cumulative performance. What remains absolutely baffling to the IC is the continued ability of the US economy to absorb the very fast and violent increase in interest rates. In the previous three decades, developed central banks had to step in and intervene multiple times to prevent a deflationary contraction of their economies from being triggered by a potential liquidity trap. By contrast, in 2021, deflationary forces turned upside down into inflationary ones. This has, in turn, led to the first bear market in US equities in 120 years without so far an associated decline in US corporate profits according to Bridgewater Associates research. If the IC de-risks equities substantially in the portfolio, for example, like during the great financial crisis, it is because there are sufficient reasons to believe that the US economy will enter a recession and, as a result, corporate profits will go down substantially. Granted, there might be a US recession, but we think later on, not now. The IC will closely follow associated developments, especially given the lack impact of monetary tightening, but the US economy is not subject to any structural imbalances in the private sector and remains resilient for now. So to conclude, a couple of observations which support the IC's thesis that a year-end rally remains well in the cards. First, from October onwards, i.e. when the inflation figures for the month are published in mid-November, U.S. inflation should start to fall significantly. The September U.S. inflation print, which was published last week, should be the last one before U.S. prices eventually cool off in the following months. Second, we enter this cycle with U.S. and European private sectors in good shape, with no imbalances that would weaken them. And finally, as we also heard from Mensur just before, technical indicators for the U.S. market have improved somewhat as of late. So as per the announcement in August, we remain positive on the S&P 500 below 3,900 points, with further weakness on the index providing an opportunity to remove the remaining half of our equity hedge in the weeks to come. And with that, back to you, Alex. Thank you very much, Ronnie. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.